Welcome to the Knox Podcast. Today, guest speaker Scott Bowman, an elder at Knox Church, shared a message on mercy and forgiveness, reminding us that, in order to be forgiven, we need to forgive. Also, salvation is through faith alone, in Christ alone. The scripture this morning, <clears throat> coming from uh, the Gospel according to Matthew, reading chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Thank you. It's page 952 in your pew Bible. I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time so we can read, in honor of God's word, to read the scripture. This is entitled in the new NIV, The Parable of the Unmerciful Servant. Starting in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. This is God's holy word. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Please be seated. In choosing today's text, I must admit it wasn't my first choice. Uh, my first choice was to talk about giving in the church uh, and the blessings of tithing. But not feeling comfortable with that, I said, okay, let me uh, give a solid warning to those who have not trusted Christ for their salvation by teaching on the story of the rich man and Lazarus. But God had other ideas. He led me to this scripture I read today about mercy, forgiveness, and loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'll, I'll go this way. Um, the last 10 years, anytime I've had an opportunity to put together a sermon, I've tried to use a parable from our Lord to help illustrate a point. But the story of parable here is unique. Last time I spoke with you, we talked about that God, uh, Jesus used parables in order to shade uh, what was meaning to the people that were just listening to him, and they'd go off with his disciples later, 
and talk about uh, what the meaning of it was. That's not the case here. It's unique in that he's plainly illustrating an important point. First to Peter, then to the other disciples, and finally to us as church. I'll begin today by talking about verses 21 and 22. Peter was a synagogued Jew, meaning he was a member of a synagogue. As an example of this, it was Peter that was sent by our Lord to go catch a fish and get a coin out of its mouth to pay the temple tax. So Peter looked at the world. His outlook on the world was a Jew. In asking the question, should I forgive seven times, he displays his knowledge of the rabbinic teachings. Teachings of the Pharisees and scribes at that time were, if uh, someone should sin against you, you should forgive them three times. So Peter comes thinking he's going to be ultra-generous and say, well, if I double that, it should be good. And he more than doubles it. He says, Lord, what if I forgive seven times? But that's not how God forgives, how God forgives us. From God's perspective, Peter wasn't generous enough. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The Apostle John, writing toward the end of his life, tells us God's standard of how he forgives in 1 John 1, verse 9. I'll read it in the Amplified Version to give you a better idea of how God forgives. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will, in purpose, thought, and action. That's powerful. If we're one of God's children, trusting in Christ's sacrifice for our sin, then he promises to forgive us if we ask. No questions, no limitations. It's done. Jesus knew that he needed to give to Peter his disciples and us, a deeper illustration, a richer understanding of what God's forgiveness through him means, which is why he used this story to show it and then issue a warning. To help us understand what's being said by Jesus in the story, I don't know that we fully grasp it, that the king in the story, what he was really forgiving. We talents, I think talents, I think talent show, my wife. This was a different, it was a measure of currency, how you measured it. I think you'll be shocked what was being forgiven. In the Greek, it says 10,000 talents. A talent is equivalent to 20 years' wages. In 2023 dollars, at $14.20 a week, which is the new minimum wage, which is good news, in New York State, at this end of the state, a day's wages would work out to $113.60 based on an eight-hour workday. Now, 10,000 talents in 2023 American dollars would be $5.9 billion. Okay, conversely, the NIV tells us the amount owed by the, uh, the other servant, the underservant, was only 100 denarii, or 100 days' wages. So the amount the other servant owed was about $11,360. Big difference. So the amount forgiven by the king was exponentially larger. 
we can see the large gap um, in the amount forgiven the unmerciful servant and the other lesser servant. But that brings up another gap in our own understanding. Trying to mix sin with our holy God is trying to mix oil and water. They don't go together. God is so holy that he can have no part of sin. The Bible tells us sin is a stench in the nostrils of God that he cannot tolerate. In human terms, I came over this last night, it would be worse than us running over an entire family of skunks, going back an hour later and driving over it again at two miles an hour. Terrible smell. And it's worse, our sin is worse stench in God's nostrils than that. The point is important, uh, so I'd like you to listen carefully for a moment. At present, many of the unchurched and churched people in the United States don't take God's holiness seriously enough. So consequently, we don't take sin seriously enough. As an example, there was a time in the days of Jonathan Edwards, who was a Puritan preacher. He preached the sermon, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. His illustration was that people without Christ are standing on a rotting plank over, the, over hell. Plank's ready to give way at any moment. Better illustration from another puritanical preacher was that we're all standing on a trap door. We're all going to die unless the Lord returns. And we're standing on a trap door. When that door opens, we're either going to fall into the arms of Jesus or we're going to fall straight to hell. So that's an illustration to give you an idea of what sin is really like and what the wages of sin, the wages of sin are death. So today, in the church, unfortunately, not here, but in many churches, we make excuses for our actions. We remake God into our own image. We look at the Old Testament and find the the Israelites making gods of wood, hay, and stubble, or stone, uh, and covering it with gold and worshiping it. The golden calf is an example. But no, we make God in our own image in our minds today into a God a false God that says, okay, if I do more good things than bad things, God's going to forgive me. God's, God grades on a curve. I have some very bad news for you. God does not grade on a curve. And without Christ, without Christ's sacrifice, we're lost. Let me be blunt. This belief that I just talked about is a lie from the pit of hell, from the enemy of our souls, that allows sinners, including individuals that are in a church that uh, acknowledge Jesus but have never trusted in his sacrifice for their sins, to atone for their sin, to ease their guilty conscience. Unless we have repented and trusted Christ to forgive us our sin, we will die in our sin and spend eternity in hell. And my friends, hell is real. Sin is still sin, and God's word is eternal. It never changes. In our recent early morning Bible study, we're studying through Ezekiel right now. By the way, a quick plug. Uh, this Tuesday is Women's Bible Study Tuesday. There's Bible studies at uh, 10.30, 1, and 6.30 p.m. So if you're a woman, come. And Wednesday mornings, we meet at 6 a.m. I know that's early. But we, we're going through Ezekiel right now. We're studying Ezekiel chapter 18. God reminds us that we are all held accountable 
for our sin. Not the, the father's not responsible for the son's sin. The son is not responsible for the father's sin. But we are individually held responsible for our sin. The only thing that can pay for our sin, in God's eyes, is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Without the shedding of blood, the scripture says, there is no forgiveness or remission of sin. His death, burial, and resurrection can and does atone for sin and make a way for us to spend eternity with him. So Jesus, in this story, simply used money to illustrate the sin gap between what we owe God and what others owe us when they sin against us. Remember, the sin that we owe the Father is exponentially larger than any sin that anyone can commit against us. If we are indeed his children, we need to forgive those who wrong us. The last two verses of today's scripture are very scary indeed. When the unmerciful servant showed his true colors and refused to forgive what was owed to him, the king took immediate action. Let me repeat those two verses to you in the Amplified Version. Reading Matthew 18, verses 34 and 35. And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers, the jailers, till he should pay all that he owed. So also my heavenly Father will deal with every one of you if you do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offenses. Now, I said earlier about this is a different kind of parable. Jesus is talking to his disciples here. He's not talking to the crowd. He's talking to his 12 followers, 11 of which would go on, because Judas, of course, was a betrayer, but of those 11, only one died a natural death. That was John. The rest were all martyred for Jesus. And Jesus is giving his disciples a direct order that they should forgive. And in telling them, he's also telling us the same thing. We need to forgive. Just as a side note, going back to the monetary thing, how much can you earn in prison? Prisoners back in Jesus' day were paid slave wages. So paying back 10,000 talents at regular wages would take 200,000 years to pay it back. Uh, so again, the only way that our debt can be paid back to God is through Christ, through his death on the cross. Let me illustrate with another scripture I found in the, earlier in the book of Matthew. Now understand, when Peter came to Jesus, it was later in his ministry, Jesus had already taught them, they are, he, they, he had been asked, and he taught them how to pray. So as he's explaining, we call the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, he explains, if you forgive people their trespasses, that is, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, that is, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment, neither Will your Father forgive you your trespasses? God calls upon us as his children to love one another. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Part of that love is forgiveness. Now, make a point in case there's anyone here 
if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. The only way you can atone for sin is through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've ever taken that step, please talk to an elder today. If you're uncomfortable talking to someone here, please call Pastor Justin when he's back later this week. Uh, He'd love to talk to you. Make an appointment, go and see him again. But I urge you, we're not promised tomorrow. We're promised today. Now let me close with an illustration that I'm going to have trouble getting through. A genuine illustration of God's forgiveness worked out through his people. I'm going to quote an article written by Colby Itkowitz in the Washington Post on October 1st, 2016. That date's important because of the next date. I'm going to begin the quote now. On October 6th, 2006, Charles Carl Roberts IV walked into a one-room Amish schoolhouse in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania on a clear, unseasonably warm Monday morning. The 32-year-old husband and father of three young children ordered the boys and adults to leave, tied up 10 little girls between the ages of 6 and 13, and shot them killing five and injuring the others before killing himself. End quote. Charles' parents, Terry Robinson and her husband, lived nearby and were horrified, rightfully so, that their son had done this and thought, we're going to have to move away because people are going to treat us like pariahs. I can understand that. Now I'm going to resume the quote. Now remember, this is the Washington Post ten years later. Quote, but in the hours after the massacre... As Amish parents still waited at a nearby barn for word about whether their daughters had survived. An Amish man named Henry arrived at the Roberts' home with a message. The families did not see the couple as an enemy. Rather, they saw them as parents who were grieving the loss of their son, too. Henry put his hand on the shoulder of Terry Roberts' husband and called him a friend. The world watched in amazement as on the day of their son's funeral, nearly 30 Amish men and women, some of the parents of the victims, came to the cemetery and formed a wall to block out the media cameras. Parents whose daughters had died at the hand of their son approached the couple after the burial and offered condolences to their loss. Then, just four weeks after the shooting, the couple was invited to meet with all the families in a local fire hall. One mother held Robert's gaze as both women's eyes blurred with tears. She said, they were all grieving. They were all struggling to make sense of the senseless. But the Amish did more than forgive the couple. They embraced them as part of their community. When Roberts underwent treatment for stage four breast cancer in December, one of the girls who survived the massacre helped clean her home before she returned from the hospital. A large yellow bus arrived at her home around Christmas, and Amish children piled inside to sing Christmas carols. The forgiveness is there. There's no doubt they forgive, Robert said. End quote. In the words of our Lord Christ, go and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Your teachings are hard, but your burden is light. You've given us the Holy Spirit to help us. Lord, I pray that we take this inside and forgive and love one another as you've commanded us. Lord, I pray that if someone here today doesn't know you, I pray that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. They'd reach out. And you'd convict them so that they can't sleep tonight until they do something about that sin debt that they owe, that only you can pay. Lord, grant us your peace and your love. We pray in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To reach out to Pastor Justin or to request prayer, send an email to pastor at noxepc.com or write to him at Knox Church, 2595 Elmwood Avenue, Kenmore, New York, 14217. Join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m., either in person or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash noxepc. Visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at noxepc.